Uh, welcome to another episode of The Exchange by Evolution. I am Roseanne, your host for today, and I have Brian with me from CIX. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Brian. I'm a commercial director at Climate Impact X. So what my role is at CIX is helping to work with organizations that have carbon credits and helping them come to market and sell those to get finance to help implement activities to combat climate change. Okay, and I guess today we'll, uh, the topic that we're going to discuss about will be more on the green transition, right? Absolutely. So what is the green transition? So the green transition is a sort of economy, but really society-wide effort to make our, econ- uh, make our world more sustainable. So if you imagine we've spent the last, uh, we spent most of human history uh, farming yeah. You know, my, my ancestors from, from Ukraine out in, out in the bush, and then we spent the last 200 years uh, burning fossil fuel. So if you imagine cars and airplanes and the electricity that comes out of the lights, all of that is powered by fossil fuels. And we spent 200 years running our economy that way, and we need to spend the next 30 years stopping that. And so what the green transition is, is every single part of our lives, um, how we... Uh, use technology, how to interact with each other, how we travel, how we communicate, all of that needs to become sustainable and green in order to keep global warming to well under two degrees. And reducing fossil fuels in our day-to-day to exactly. all the way to like businesses, how we're going to do it, right? Exactly. So I guess in um, a lot of people haven't heard of CIX. I mean, it's not a really um, big brand now, mm-hmm. I guess because people don't know what the, the, the sustainability industry or rather they're not. Um, nobody has ever spoke about it as much as we like wish they would. I mean, especially in Singapore. Yeah. I'm not sure about overseas, but I mean, in Germany and China, I know it's big. Um, Europe, probably. Mm. UK, a little bit, not so much. But in Singapore, it's definitely something that people feel like it's more mandatory than um, voluntary. Mm. Yeah. So actually, I think the, the, main, the main thing is that what um, I want to understand more about what um, CIX can do for Singapore and, you know, what is carbon credit, you know? (laughs) That's a great question. Uh, So what a carbon credit is, is it is a uh, a thing called a a financial asset that represents one ton of emissions that have been avoided or that have been removed from the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is that um, if you imagine a uh, scenario where uh, there is a piece of land that might be open for a palm oil concession. What you and I could do is we could buy up that piece of land and buy up that concession and instead of cutting down the rainforest and sending all of that carbon to the atmosphere, we could protect it. Right. But the thing is, is that we can't do that for free because if you cut down all the trees and you plant uh, palm oil, um, create a palm oil plantation, then you get a lot of money. And so what you need is, is funding and ultimately money to be able to counterbalance that economic incentive toward, in this case, deforestation, and instead have an economic incentive for sustainability. And so what a carbon credit is, is if you take that piece of land, say it's 100,000 hectares, you could figure out the amount of emissions that would have happened but by cutting all those trees down. Um, and get carbon credits in return. And you can sell those carbon credits to companies that are looking to become more sustainable, and then in doing so, help to pay for uh, the work that you're doing to conserve that lens. And what's really exciting is that this, the example I gave, that's for protecting forests, but what the voluntary carbon market is able to do 
is that same idea of reducing emissions. You can expand it to pretty well any kind of activity. And this is really where, where this becomes very, very exciting for the green transition. It's instead of having to wait for government regulation, instead of having to wait for, for new mandates, the market is able to do what the market does best and channel finance to these kinds of much needed activities that need some funding to get off the ground to reduce global emissions. I understand. I mean, there are a lot of different standards now, right? So what makes you think that like, um, you know, this standard is better than the other or like, how do we qualify this, all these standards and make sure that, you know, carbon credit means something. I mean, um, I think the problem that I, I'm not problem, like maybe the issue I, I um, that people talk about nowadays about carbon credits is that it's too cheap. So people actually buy off and then it's very easy to, you know, just, not reduce the carbon emission, but just use your carbon offset? Yeah, yeah, those are those are two very good questions. So the, to the second part of your question is carbon credits should absolutely be a complement as a part of a much broader corporate sustainability strategy. So if you're a big company, what you should absolutely focus on first is setting a long-term target to reduce your emissions and then start actually reducing those emissions. But what's what's important to think about is that that's going to take 30 years. I mean, if you imagine a company that, for example, runs hotels, yeah. they get there, they turn their lights on, the power comes from the grid. They don't control the grid. They don't control the, the natural gas power plant or the coal power plant 20 miles down the road. So rather than wait for this economy-wide transition to happen, they can go above and beyond what they're doing otherwise and help support global emissions somewhere else. And so this is particularly true for somewhere like Singapore, where Singapore is a relatively small, it's a, it's a small country. It doesn't have that much control over emissions, but its neighbors, um, whether that's uh, it's, its neighbors in the regions that have these extraordinarily rich areas of uh, whether it's rainforest, whether it's, it's um, other types of systems, um, we can help protect these and go above and beyond what we're able to do here in Singapore. Right. Um, to help, in this case, protect forests throughout Southeast Asia. Um, and then the first part of it, and so that's uh, what that's called is the idea of the mitigation hierarchy, or first reduce internally, but then when you're on, while, while you're making those internal reductions, go above and beyond uh, what you can do yourself to help uh, the world as a whole reduce its emissions. And what carbon credits uh, enable companies to do is to make that action very, very easy. Right, but how do we convince the skeptics of doing this? You know, sometimes these things come from like passion, right? Mm -hmm. So then, um, how do we convince them to, you know, voluntarily go above and beyond? Because I think above and beyond to a lot of people, it's extra effort, extra mm -hmm. work. Why would they do it, you know? Yeah, that's 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 a great question. Um, and so the like when you began this question, you talked a bit about how this is uh, more prevalent, more popular in the US, Europe. And yeah. Uh, in the UK. Uh, and in that case, what I think companies should think about is who in their, who of their stakeholders is this important to? And so, for example, if you're a company that sells, you know, products to individuals, consumers care. Consumers uh, really, really care about the companies that they, particularly the younger generation, um, the products that they buy and the companies that they buy stuff from, they want them to be sustainable. And having some target that happens that's going to happen at some point 30 years from now, that isn't good enough anymore. Right. And what these companies are able to do is, again, they're limited in what they can do internally. Yeah. And so what carbon credits are able to um, let them do is really communicate and have that impact 
um, and showcase that they want to be sustainable. They're doing everything that they can and they're using all the tools that are available to become more sustainable in a way that matters to maybe it's it's their consumers, maybe it's their employees, maybe it's for you know, new recruits, maybe it's it's the kind of talent that they're trying to attract into the company. Yeah. Maybe it's their board, maybe it's their shareholders. There's lots of different audiences that they can um, yeah. use carbon credits to uh, help contribute and, and take meaningful action. Um, so what companies should really do is as they think about setting these long-term targets and doing these these sort of very tactical things is just to think carefully about uh, who who do you want to speak to? Who does who, who does this matter to? Um, and how can you use carbon credits to help um, communicate and have an impact with those audiences? Okay. And and I guess speaking of which, right, which to my next point is what makes a person um, a good candidate for, I guess, this industry? This is... It's not a, a, a very popular thing that, you know, everyone has ex- multiple years of experience in. So then what, what is a good candidate? Yeah, I'm actually, we're hiring interns right now. So a lot of them are, <laughs> a lot of them are pretty excited. Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So there's really a few things that I would think about. Uh, so my personal backgrounds is how I found myself working in carbon markets was I started my career uh, for a big management consulting firm. So working with banks, working to actually stress test banks, which is a funny thing to have worked on given what's in the news today. Uh, And then so after that, it transitions into working more in international development. So I used to live in Nairobi. I used to work in smallholder agriculture. And so what uh, for a someone who's looking to get into the market, what carbon markets really provides as a career opportunity is mixing both of those worlds where it's 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 somebody that comes from a business background whether that's consulting whether that's finance whether that's marketing um is taking those same skills but applying them in a way to have an impact in the world um so part of that is is i think from a personal standpoint and it's a way to be a in my case a very 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 small part of this broader uh work that all of us need to do with the green transition right um but but it also provides a chance to do something that's really cool. Like rainforests are really cool. <laughs> Clean cooking stoves are really, really cool. I had a call with a guy a couple of weeks ago who they it is an Australian co- uh, cotton processing company. Okay. So they go and they buy cotton from all kinds of farmers and yeah. they process it and then sell it to companies that make clothes. Yeah. And so apparently, this is what I learned on this on this phone okay, call. Okay. Uh, when you process cartons, cotton, there's all kinds of twigs and sticks and stuff. Yeah that got caught up when you harvest yeah, it, yeah. you can make carbon credits out of those because instead of just burning it out back, which is what they do, or, oh. which is what they do ordinarily, what you can do is you can convert that into what's called biochar, sort of a fertilizer. Right. Um, and then instead of, bur- of burning it, in which case all of that, all of those emissions go into the atmosphere, you can use it as fertilizer um, in a way that then stores the carbon in the soil for hundreds of years. And they can pay and for that. Give back to the earth. Exactly. That's um, so from there, for them, it makes uh, for them to build the machines okay. to make this kind of fertilizer costs a lot of money, which they can then pay for with carbon credits. Um, but it also provides a much needed climate tool that's, uh, and I don't have the figures in fr- um, off the top of my head, but if you imagine there's, you know, both of us are wearing cotton yeah. right now. I would imagine there's a lot of cotton grown in the world. And so if every company or lots of companies were able to now do this, that can make a bit of an impact. Um, I think that can make a lot of impact. So I think from the the, uh, why carbon credits matter is it can provide the money to make this economically uh, worthwhile. But I think from a 
if the question is why should you work in carbon credits, that's really fun to think about. That, that, you know, that's a that's a fantastic thirty-minute conversation to have with a, uh, an engineer for an Australian cotton-producing company. Yeah, um, and that's just one of many examples of the different opportunities that right. are available. Right, right, and so, right. if you're somebody that's coming from a finance background or um, any number of companies that are in very well-established industries, mm. all of a sudden, as you get to be at the forefront of something, where every day you're able to have a conversation. Um, about and think critically about what are the different opportunities and what needs money and what needs finance um, to help uh, combat climate change and how can we as CIX help contribute to and support those different initiatives. Right. And okay, so then to our next point again, I mean, um, CIX was here and then they have, I think they have two products prior to the exchange that is currently um, doing in the build phase or something like that. Mm -hmm. So just would you mind sharing a little bit more about the first two products and then maybe how you are, um, how it will make the change? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Climate CIX was launched out of the Emerging Stronger Together Task Force, EST, yeah. um, uh, during the pandemic. And so right. uh, what, what the goal was, uh, was as Singapore emerged from the pandemic because they wanted to emerge stronger together. Yeah. Uh, and really position themselves to participate in the green and sustainable economy. Yeah. And so Singapore as a finance hub, carbon markets make sense um, as a way for Singapore to help grow and scale the carbon markets in East Asia, but also around the world. Yes. Um, and so CIX was born out of that initiative. So our four shareholders are Tamasek, the Singapore Exchange, Standard Chartered Bank, and DBS Bank. And they all came together to start CIX with the goal of helping to scale the market, but also to help help. And then the key way of scaling the market is to help create trust. And so the, uh, what we really do is we are a platforms company with the goal of bringing together buyers and sellers, uh, because if you, for example, are an expert in planting trees and local, working with local communities and helping to protect forests. It doesn't necessarily follow that you're also great at negotiating multi-million dollar yeah. carbon credit sales agreements <laughs> with big energy companies. I mean, that's those are two different skill sets. Yeah. And so what we're able to do is help to bring buyers and sellers together in a streamlined way where both of them are able to get a fair price and are able to transact their credits uh, and that we're able to uh, grow trust in the market overall. Okay. And so the three platforms that we run for these types of uh, to bring buyers and sellers together. One is a project marketplace. So this yeah. is an e-commerce platform that provides for companies that are new to the market that are looking to explore. I think the question that you asked earlier about why should companies do this yeah. part? I mean, one of the questions is, well, what is a carbon credit? What is this stuff that's happening? Yeah. Um, and it can be intimidating. And so what the project marketplace is able to do is provide companies um, some insight into what these credits are, what are the individual projects, what is the impact that they're having, what are the, how is this helping local communities, how is this helping biodiversity, yeah. people of orangutans. <laughs> um, and all of the credits that we list in the marketplace, uh, we do a first cut of quality um, to provide. So we're not just listing everything, yeah. but it's really the types of projects that have, uh, are able to have real impacts. Right. Again, with the goal of, of creating trust. Uh, so that's a project marketplace, and it's really for these companies that are just starting out, that are just looking. Also, oh, they will like put up the projects onto your platform. And... For companies that are buying, right? Um, okay, okay. And then for suppliers, is exactly so. It's a e-commerce platform. They're able to put some projects up, list them 
uh, list their credits, they sell, set their prices, and they're able to sell them. And right. so instead of, so for the different organizations that are working on the ground and working with these communities, is for them, it's just another channel to uh, bring their credits and make them available to, to different buyers right. and be able to get more financing to help run their activities. And free marketing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's the marketplace. Yeah. Uh, the second platform that we have is a auction. Okay. And so one of the, the characteristics of carbon markets is that it's new and yes. nobody knows what the price of a carbon credit is. Exactly. Uh, and so the what I find very interesting is as different people with different backgrounds come to the market is they bring their experience to carbon tar carbon markets to think about what, what analogies can be brought. Uh, so if you mm -hmm. imagine some um, established commodities like gold or iron. Yeah. You can just look up the price of gold. Exactly, and there's, there's like a benchmark. Of there's like a benchmark, and, exactly. And there are many indices, and there's different grades of gold. Yeah. But there's a very, very, very well established um, yeah. way of understanding what the price of gold is. That doesn't exist in carbon credits. No, um, so my, one of my internships in university was working for a candy bar company. Candy bar. Yeah. Okay. So uh, different kinds of chocolate bars. Okay. Uh, so carbon credits are a every product is different. Um, and there can be some standardization that's, uh, that'll come to in a minute. But for new types of projects, um, mm -hmm. really the best way to figure out what the price of something new is, yeah. is you get a bunch of people in a room and you say, what are you gonna pay for it? And that's what the auction does, is it really provides that very clear, very transparent way of identifying, um, instead of, of identifying the value and identifying the market willingness to pay, for these types of credits. Um, and then what's really, really exciting is that because so many of these things are, it's the first time that someone is doing this, yeah. other people are waiting and seeing, well, is that gonna work? Yeah. Um, and so the most recent auction that we ran was last November for uh, a, what's called a mangrove restoration project. Okay. So mangroves are trees that grow in water. Yeah. Planting trees is hard. Mm -hmm. Planting trees in two feet of water is very hard. <laughs> Uh, and so the, the uh, auction that we ran was with a was with the world's largest mangrove restoration project okay. in southern Pakistan. So it's forty thousand oh, hectares okay. of land that they're restoring, wow. and so that's hundreds of thousands of trees um, that they've been able to work on for the last several years and have a lot of success with. Um, and so for lots of other people that are looking to try to do something the same, uh, they need to know what the prices that they're going to get. Right. And so the auction that we ran. Um, uh, was very, very successful. So there were 200,000, 250,000 credits that were auctioned and each credit is one ton of emissions. So that's yeah. 250,000 tons of emissions exactly. um, with over 300,000 tons of demand okay. um, with a very, very good claim price. Um, and so, but, and that price was then set through this transparent way um, and they we were able to make public and as a part of the announcements, uh, discuss how we came to the price, how the auction worked. So now other people that are looking to make that same investment, um, in particular in Southeast Asia, because lots of places that you want to plant uh, mangroves, a lot of that uh, land that is suitable yeah. is in Southeast Asia. Yeah. Now they can make those investments. Now they know what the price of this thing is. Um, but how can they guarantee it? You know, how like, can they guarantee it before? I think that's the... Uh, so what we can't, can't necessarily guarantee a price. Mm -hmm. If you're looking to, you know, to the gold example, uh, yeah. if you're looking to build a gold mine, um, you, you, can, you, you look and you can see other similar mines, other similar types of gold, and you can have a number for that investment. Um, and now we're able to bring the same to the auction, right. given how unique so many of these projects are. 
what we're able to do is bring something similar to different kinds of carbon projects. And how often are these like auctions actually? Once every couple of months. Um, oh. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's uh, we're experimenting and expanding the model because um, again, there's lots of different types of projects that are available. But the goal is to run one every couple of months. Yeah. So that at least you have an average of all the different like. Exactly, and it's right. it's different projects, different types of credits, okay. different regions, right. um, to really have these different price markers and different opportunities to right. scale the market in different ways. Is it is it open to public or? Just uh, the platforms are open to onboarded buyers. So the the target uh, is uh, companies that are participating in the market, right. um, and so for each one of them to, to participate, uh, there's a few different venues. Participate, but it's really for for companies as opposed to individuals. Right, right, right. Okay, I understand. I mean, if individuals were to join, I mean, they'll be on like invitation basis, right? Okay, it makes sense. There's some like exclusivity exclusivity there. It's really it's really for for companies. Okay, um, okay. So we haven't. Uh, I think we've had a couple of conversations about um, possibly having a consumer option. Right. Um, we're not doing that at the moment. Okay, okay. I mean, it makes sense because you still need to reach out to like it's more of a B two B business. Yeah. yeah, B two B and B two C are quite different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay, okay. And and then comes to like the third product, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, that. And this is the exchange. So this is what we're really, really excited about. So the first two platforms, those are both up and running. Yeah. So the marketplace launched about it. Um, marketplace and, and auction launched uh, late twenty twenty one into twenty twenty two. Whereas the exchange is the third one. Uh, yeah. So what this is really designed for are big companies, big traders, the people that are doing bids, offers. So it's much more similar to a um, uh, bond market, uh, equity market. Um, and we've partnered with NASDAQ to run the, to use their technology to run what's called their trade matching software. So when there's a bid and there's an offer, those two things need to come together. So we use NASDAQ technology to uh, do that sort of matching. And what we're really excited about for the exchange is one is there's no big uh, carbon exchange yet in East Asia. There's a few new ones, but I think they're still yeah. um, we're still exploring. And, and as, as 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 you mentioned earlier, uh, the space is still growing. So what yeah. we're really excited about is using the exchange to position to continue to position Singapore at the heart of carbon trading in East Asia, and more importantly. Um, to be able to, to start to create some of those benchmark prices that, as you mentioned, exist in yeah. other industries. Yeah, yeah. So as we launch the exchange, it's also launching with uh, what's called a standardized contract. So it's a basket of uh, a number of different projects. Uh, the goal being that if you ask me the question, what was the price of a carbon credit yesterday? Yeah. I'm able to look at the trading activity that happened in this basket and then say, well, I think that that basket represents the average carbon credit or the average of a certain right. type of carbon credit. And I believe in how that basket was developed and I believe in in, uh, in that price. So now all of a sudden, if I'm gonna go and sell you credits two years from now, I can sell credits that are, instead of just us making up $15, you know, yeah. making up a price, yeah. um, the which is, there. the data is there for us to be able to do yeah. that. Um, or if I'm looking to go and uh, buy that piece of land to try to help protect it and generate these credits for the next 30 years or 50 years. Now, all of a sudden, I have a much better idea of uh, the funding that oh, I can get in the future yeah. to be able to make those investment decisions today. That's interesting. I mean, so, okay, so this would be kind of like the benchmark for mangrove reservation carbon credit. Uh, specifically, um, 
nature-based projects. So that oh, would include just nature-based. So yeah. it doesn't matter if it's the tree in the water or the tree on land. Exactly. So it's it's quite broad. And then as as we grow and continue to scale the exchange, the goal will be, the goal is to launch additional benchmarks right. for other types of projects. Right. There aren't a lot of of these kinds of mangrove restoration projects. Yeah. Um, so having a benchmark, there's just not a lot of it out there. So having a benchmark is a bit more difficult, yeah, which is right. what, which is where the auction comes in and why that's so helpful right. is for these kinds of new, um, unique types of projects. You yeah. can have an individual auction, right. whereas for more established type projects, um, so like the tree protection ones, you right. can there's enough credits that are out there and enough projects that are out there right. that you can structure these kinds of benchmarks. Right, I guess, but there's one question I'm quite curious about, right, personally, I think, um, yes, you can reduce a lot of um, carbon emission, but how about those that you produce? Absolutely. So how does that work? I mean, um, can you build more machines on like, okay, let's say the one on, on the ocean. I don't know what's that. Yeah, the ocean one's a good one. Yeah. There's a few different ocean ones. Yeah. Um, my favorite is there's, there's, there's an organization out of the Eastern US. So what they do is they put uh, buoys, boys, yes, but yes, I yes, say yes, the yes. word. Um, they put them far out to sea, yeah. um, and then they grow algae and seaweed on okay. this buoy. So you got the buoy floating there, and oh. it's biodegradable, and then you got algae, uh, the sort of big, big uh, uh, thing of algae sticking out the bottom. <laughs> okay. And then eventually, so this thing grows, and then as it grows, is, is, it sequesters carbon. And then at a certain point, the idea is that the buoy breaks down, and then the whole thing sinks to the bottom of the ocean, Okay. and then it's stored there forever. So all of the carbon that the, as that algae and seaweed grows, um, the, it sequesters carbon. Um, so it takes it out of the atmosphere. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then uh, as it sinks to the bottom of the sea, it just merges into the sea floor. And then it takes away from the sea, is it? Exactly. So well, it just, it stores it forever. Because the, the, uh, the two main types of credits are uh, avoidance credits or reduction credits. Yeah. So it's the, uh, credits that are from reducing emissions or removal credits. Yeah. So credits that are from removing carbon from the atmosphere. Uh, so there's lots of different ways to remove carbon from the atmosphere, but the, the big question is how do you store it permanently? Right. So if you and I planted a tree or planted a whole bunch of trees, yeah. those, would, uh, those would grow over time. They would take carbon out of the atmosphere. Trees can burn down. Yeah, um, it's not like forever. It's not forever. So a lot of the new um, experimental technology, what it, it's really solving both of those things. Right. One is removing, but the other one is storing permanently. Um, and so the, the phrase that they use is uh, geologic storage. Which yeah. it, Geological storage. Which effectively means turning it to rock somehow. Right. So for the seaweed example, um, because it falls to the bottom of the sea, it'll just stay there mm -hmm. and over the course of thousands of years turn into limestone or sedimentary right. rock. Um, whereas for the, uh, if you're storing it in a tree, that kind of long-term storage doesn't necessarily happen. And so a lot of these new sort of frontier technologies, um, run the gamut from, or removal technologies really run the gamut from sort of convent what's called afforestation, reforestation, mm -hmm. tree planting, yeah. restoring forests, yeah. all the way through to the guys out the guys out in Switzerland that have these great big machines that are the sucking this stuff right, out of the right. atmosphere um, and everything in between. Right, right, so there's right. lots of different ways to yeah, uh, look at what cool. happens in nature, accelerate natural yeah. natural uh, systems right. to help um, both sequester carbon and store it. But all of these are new technologies, and that's what I think the the uh, 
sort of the um, dual mandate of carbon markets really is, is one is reducing this stuff as fast as we can. We lose an area the size of Austria of rainforest every year. Yeah. Um, so we absolutely need to reduce those emissions as much as we can. And deforestation is increasing. Like at least minimum. Yeah, because yeah. um, that's the most, exactly. And that's the most immediate solution that's in front of us is reducing global emissions as fast as we can, but in parallel, helping to invest and scale in these types of removal solutions so that come 2040, 2050, um, when we need the that last gap, what's called some unabatable emissions. Right. So the different types of emissions that we can't manage to get out of the, get out of the economy. Find the use the removal technique. Exactly. That are able to balance those things right. out. So both of those things need to happen in parallel. Reducing as much as we can right now, but at the same time helping okay. to grow and scale these removal technologies right. for the future. Right, right. When we live underwater, we need that kind of technology to exactly. live underwater. <laughs> Which could be nice. Yeah. It'll be the next podcast. Okay, so I guess um the I, we covered quite a few thing, a few pointers today, right? So in terms of the the CIX tech, right, mm-hmm. and um why build the exchange, we covered that as well. So what do you think we can add on about um I think in terms of scaling up a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I think the the last point that I'd make is really that the uh, it's growing and we're learning. Yeah. Um, and carbon markets, really the history of it was that there was a lot of excitement and a lot of opportunity in the 2000s. And then for a variety of reasons, the activity slowed down through the 2010s. Yeah. And then come 2019, after the Paris Agreement, there's this great uh, global recognition that we need to start addressing emissions mm-hmm. and we need to start keeping global warming to well below two degrees Celsius. Yeah. And th- so we're really three or four years into this new um, a huge amount of excitement in the market, a huge amount of investment, and a huge amount of opportunity, and we're getting better. Um, so I think there's been a lot of criticism in the media and a lot of issues that are being raised. Yes. Some of these are valid, but they don't—they're not valid for every project. Um, and I think what we need, what we really need to do is, as we think about how to grow the market, I think it's it's evident the opportunity and the solution this provides. Mm-hmm. But what we all need to do is come together and be constructive and to help grow this and, and uh, uh, scale this in a um, constructive and productive way to really realize the opportunity that's in front of us. And all of these solutions, all of these opportunities, they all need money. And what the carbon market is able to do is, is, bring, is bring them money. And for companies that are looking to participate in this, it provides the infrastructure for them to be able to do so um, in a verified and trusted way. Um, but over time, as these uh, market systems get better, is the credits will get better. I think the, there'll be more verification. There'll be more um, opportunity to, to uh, be sure that um, these credits represent real reductions and real removals, and there's mm-hmm. positive impact for local communities and biodiversity. Um, but it'll take time for these. But while well, constantly getting better, we're in a we're in a place of constant yeah, it's a long run kind of. Thing. It's a long yeah. run, and I think what CAX is able to do. Um, and why all of us are really excited to work at CIX is to really be a part, really get into this journey early yeah. um, and be a part of it and be a hopefully relatively big part, but you know, um, it should be a, a medium-sized part of helping yeah. to, to grow the market overall. It's in, it's in line with the Singapore's goal of 2050 or 2030, they change it. Exactly. Like so most, most countries have set a 2050 net zero target. Net zero. Some yeah. countries have moved that forward, and then most corporate targets are also for 2050. Right. So that's 27 years. That's an awful long ways away. 
Um, it is. But I think like a lot of things, it's a bit like exam season where, oh, it's far away. It's, I don't need <laughs> to worry about it. before you know it. Exactly. And so what, what all of us need to do yeah. is think about what we can do today right. to help realize those goals 27 years from now. Right. I mean, okay, so you, I think last but not least, right, because you mentioned that like you guys are hiring a lot of interns. So then these interns, they are new, completely new to like the, the, the industry, the working environment, um, in terms of like when you talk about the business um, aspect, right? They do not have experience in all these. Then how do people with experience, but not um, particularly in ESG or like sustainability, you know, knowing any like standards, like VRA standards, all that kind. Mm. How do they be a part of this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that there's a, a wide range of opportunities within ESG and sustainability. Mm. Carbon, is, carbon markets are just one of those, yeah. but it absolutely is growing and it absolutely needs the skills that exist in many different industries um, to come to bear. So people that have marketing, finance, mm -hmm. lots of different operations, lots of different types of skills um, that can help make a real positive difference. Um, it's not just people that are, I'm not a sustainability expert. I'm not a, I'm not a forester. Um, just passionate. I'm just passionate <laughs> and, and I can learn stuff. And so I think for anybody that's looking to have an impact, Carbon markets can absolutely be a way to get the most out of the skills that they have and the, and the experience that they have, but in a way that um, has a significant impact, but is also really, really cool, really, really fun. It is. It is. And when, when, when will this exchange be launched? Officially? Uh, I mean, in, in the coming weeks. Oh, in the coming weeks? Yeah. And what, will this be on a website or like the company? The yeah, they'll be, I mean, hopefully you'll see it in the, in the newspaper. Newspaper, we, oh, that's yeah. really, really big. Yeah, so we're really, really excited. We've received an extremely positive response from market participants that are looking to be on the exchange, trade on the exchange. Mm. Um, okay. And so we're very, very excited to uh, finally be able to launch it because it's, um, as you can imagine, it's uh, it's been a journey to both design, design how the exchange is supposed to work and also to build and, and have the technology. Yeah, um, and so we're very excited to be able to play our role in scaling the carbon market. I'm excited for that too. Looking forward to getting the direct link from you. Yeah. <laughs> and okay, I guess uh, hopefully if we have more um, topics that we can talk about after the exchanges, I think that will be an interesting topic. Yeah, definitely. To share this. I mean, I think everybody will be curious as to how you guys are doing. And in terms of like competition, I don't think there's, there's a lot of carbon exchanges um, currently, but I believe that there will be more mm -hmm. because this is, uh, it looks, it's looking like a more evergreen industry now compared to 10 years before. Mm -hmm. So definitely want to keep up with what's going on in the market. And then, yeah, hopefully if there's anyone that is interested be, to be involved, they can reach out to you, they okay. can reach out to me to get to you or to um, have a collaboration and everything, I think. Um, yeah, ultimately, this podcast should hopefully help someone to understand whether or how they can join the industry and if they're passionate, just, you know, take the step. The yeah, of faith. definitely. It's <laughs> going to take all of us, um, all of us to make a difference. And uh, we're very excited to partner with anybody and work with anybody for our shared goal of meeting the goals of the Paris Agreement. Yes, yes. That's what I love about the industry. It's a competition. A little bit, but then ultimately the target is still the same. The end goal for everyone would be the same. Absolutely. And that's the best part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So thank you for taking the time on joining our podcast. Um, I look forward to speaking with you um, and hopefully there will be more of this um, green transition that we can talk about and share with our audience. Absolutely. And 
make a change. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much for your time, Brian. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast and stay tuned for more. And should there be um, a lot of, uh, should there be more questions that you have, feel free to reach out to Brian or myself. Thank you.